Well, everyone, happy Monday evening, or whenever you are listening to this, happy Monday evening. So, of course, welcome back to the Political Panda program. So happy you all could join me, of course. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend, spending it maybe with relatives or just enjoying the holidays of shopping. Of course, the Cyber Monday deal is, of course, more news. You got the Black Friday deal of news, and now you get the Cyber Monday deal of news. And it all comes free with the description to the program, so if you could, please do so. It helps out a ton, really helps get the show into the algorithm as well. So, um, it's, it's, it's been a week, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a, been a weekend, I should say, and since we've last had any discussion, and of course we didn't really, you know, how many shows last week, I think, what, maybe two, three, I don't even remember, because last week feels like a blur, and now I'm here, and yet, well, of course, uh, we have some very interesting things to say the least course we'll be giving you some china stuff as well as uh talking a little bit about uh the gig economy as well as some funny stories that uh i believe that we can all have a good laugh at i mean we have several in a row a row that i think we can all have some joy and get some good laughter out of but of course we got to start with our opening clip of the day and of course, it brings us right to the White House with Peter Ducey. Of course, not talking to uh, to Jean Pear. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, but it's uh it's to John Kirby instead. Uh, talking about why uh, why are we going to Venezuela for oil when uh, we could just you know drill here instead? So here is that. And on the sanctions relief for Venezuela. Yeah. Why is it that President Biden would rather let U.S. companies drill for oil in Venezuela than here in the U.S.? That's uh, not an accurate take uh, on the president's view. Earlier this month, he said no more drilling. There is no <coughs> more drilling. The president has issued 9,000 permits for drilling on U.S. federal lands, Peter, 9,000 of them being unused. There are plenty of opportunities for oil and gas companies to drill here in the United States. I'll let Chevron speak for this particular issue of sanctions relief, but our expectation is it won't be a lot of oil coming out of there. It will have to be shipped to the United States. Does the president think there's some benefit to the climate to drill oil in Venezuela and not here? No, it has nothing to do with a benefit to the climate, Peter. Again, there are 9,000 unused permits here in the United States on federal land that oil and gas companies can and should take advantage of. 9,000. Uh, and we're talking about one there in Venezuela. Um, now, look. It remains to be seen how much will get drilled down there. Um, it'll be up to Chevron to decide that, Peter. Um, but uh, but as a function of the sanction itself, that oil, whatever product is drilled, has to come to the United States. By the way, all of those leases he's talking about all happened to the president, uh, uh, Donald 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 Trump. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. 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 Shit. Do we do we leave that part out? Did did we do we did we leave that that part out of the whole thing? Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, not not great, not great. But um, it it didn't stop there though at the White House, as uh the Elon Musk was brought up, uh the other day, actually uh today actually according to when this clip was posted, 
don't exactly know when it was, but uh, it was about Elon Musk and, uh, of course, some stuff going on, and here is that exchange with Cream this time. Oh, at least she's finally back. I know, we're all so missed her so much. Concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So, look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear. Um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring. And uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting and just for, for ourselves what's happening on, on Twitter. Uh, but again, social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by any user uh, to incite violence, especially violence uh, directed at individual so yes, great, great on Kareem there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Twitter has been doing that. They've actually been banning uh, child pornography, uh, which is really weird because they had 7,500 employees and apparently that was too hard to do back then. Oh, 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 but it, it doesn't end there though. Actual people who straight up threaten other people with death threats and violence are actually getting banned like Antifa. Because, you know, they're domestic terror. Oh, oh my goodness. Wait, you're telling me that, that Twitter is actually uh, uh, doing its job? I, I mean, I mean that's not the only thing coming out of Twitter. Uh, Twitter, of course, Elon is basically going to fucking war with uh, Apple. Because Apple threatened to literally take them off the uh, uh, the the App Store. But we'll, we'll, we'll get more into Apple a bit later. Uh, as well as the fact that Twitter... Uh, the Twitter files on free speech, uh, suspe uh, suspect, fuck me, why are words so hard? Suppression, it will soon be published by, by Twitter and on Twitter itself, so that people know exactly what happens, so we will cover that as soon as it comes out, I will literally tell you that right when it happens, I guarantee it, we will cover it on the show. So, <laughs> first off... Why Why are we so concerned about what's going on on Twitter? I, I would just like to remind everybody, we're talking about a social media platform that is not going anywhere. It may fire for, file for bankruptcy, but I guarantee you, and that I have more faith in Elon Musk than I ever did in what's-his-face and who's-his-names. I don't even remember their names anymore. I'm going to be really honest. You know, Twitter doesn't seem that much different, but yet Twitter seems significantly more exciting. Like... I, I genuinely, like, with Elon Musk being, like, the actual CEO of Twitter, and him, like, and, and, and new things getting announced, like, every day, I, I genuinely enjoy just seeing what the fuck ends up happening on Twitter now more than ever. Like, Twitter was not that exciting before this. Twitter was very boring, and it was, like, the same old complaint every single time of... Oh boy, here we go again. Like, here's another person censored and suspended. Oh well, what are you gonna do? I guess you can go make your own Twitter platform. Yeah, here's the main issue with that. Twitter's an established platform. If you just make another, you know, platform 
like a, a Twitter that, you know, some people have tried to do, like Parler or Truth Social, you realize that not a lot of people are going to switch over. Like, okay, this show has two separate Twitter accounts and two separate Truth Social accounts, right? I have my original, you know, account of Twitter from 2016. I've, I've been on Twitter as of, you know, once December of this year hits for six years, right? And, and then you have, you know, my newer Twitter account that I, I created for the program of this show, you know, last year. And so now you you sort of see, like, okay, you know, I, I, I use Twitter most of the time. On my phone, most of the notifications that come through to my phone for, you know, breaking news updates, you know, from, like, uh, Disclose and Breaking 911 or Breaking 911, you know, from those two, I, I, and from a lot of others, I have those notifications turned on. On True Social, I, I, I barely ever open it. Like, half the time, I don't think there's much, like, a lot of the stuff that I end up seeing on my feed on True Social ends up being the same thing that I end up seeing on Twitter, just on Twitter, it's, I don't know, Twitter seems like, it's like the more refined version of all of these knockoffs, like, all these knockoffs are just taking Twitter's core, and just not bringing much more to the table, it's like, it's parlor, but free speech back when that mattered a whole lot more, because Twitter was run by, you know, lots and lots of an echo chamber and then you have true social because donald trump got banned off twitter and so he needed somewhere else to tweet out or truth out things on the toilet at 2 a.m in the morning and then you just have twitter over here you know significantly bigger than all of them not even being that you know the biggest social media platform but just being that consistent one that when you think of sort of a more the most public town square that, yeah, maybe a lot of people have their, you know, issues with it, but are completely just right here out in public and being sort of that place that, oh, why was, you know, why did this person get canceled? Started trending on Twitter. Why did, you know, freaking, where was the, where were you when this thing happened on Twitter? This leak started on Twitter. This thing happened on Twitter. There's so many things that just happen here on Twitter and migrate to other social medias that may be significant later, like Instagram thinking that they're anything more than just a picture app for thoughtry and trying to make Instagram reels and videos a thing. You've got YouTube that I, I do you even I don't know why people classify YouTube as a social media. I think of YouTube as a video hosting service that's like. I think of YouTube as, like, a freemium subscription-based service like Netflix or HBO because it provides a service like that. And then you have, what, Reddit as that sort of place that you mainly go for, like, one to two reasons or a few reasons. Either you're a dedicated Reddit user, you're just looking for tech support, or you're looking for not-safe-for-work stuff. And you've got, what, Facebook being that boomer place that you don't really go to or visit unless you're trying to go find like sketchy eels on Facebook marketplace. So you have all these various social media existing 
And there's of course a few that I left out, like Snapchat and Pinterest and others, but they all form the sort of difference of what makes them stand out and unique. Like, once again, Twitter is still the one that a lot of stuff starts at and everything branches out from. It's like, hey, look, here's a tweet from Elon. Now there's a video about it on YouTube. There's posts about it on Instagram. There's a post about it on Reddit. And there's, you know, a bunch of other stuff being put up on other places. All because it stemmed from one tweet. Maybe there's something that happens on Reddit that, you know, there's crossover, there's beams. There's beams that happen. How do most people get in contact with YouTube? Well, it's not through YouTube itself, it's through freaking contacting them through their literal Twitter account. So you have this various thing, and I, I mean, I know we're getting very off topic, but I think it's very much understanding that... The fact that the White House is so clearly monitoring and that everybody around the world is, like, clearly having to, like, monitor Twitter because, oh no, Elon Musk said people are going to be able to freak, uh, speak freely and that even though Elon Musk has already basically made better changes, some that are not so great, obviously, never, not all changes to anything are ever going to be great, but most, a lot, I would say a lot of the changes that he is making are for Twitter's better and not for their worse. I would say Twitter Blue's new subscription is for the worse, but overall, Twitter's as a whole has become a better place. Whether that's from the overall new subscription... Uh, fuck. Sus fuck, why is that so fucking hard for me to say? Suppression of, like, hateful things to the point where it's just not even worth it to tweet out stuff like that? Which is fine, because, for one... It don't need a bunch of people going around spamming Nazi shit all over, or racist shit, that's obvious to everyone, but you also have a lot more people being able to just speak, you know, common sense, truths, or things that one side of the political aisle didn't like. And so with that, you have a much wider and much more diverse Twitter instead of the echo chamber that it was creating. And I think that a lot of people are starting to see that, and once that whole thing is breaking down, Twitter as a whole went from, Oh my god, Twitter's gonna die, everyone! Like, oh my god, happy final tweets! You know, and thank Elon for killing Twitter, and now it's become, Wow, look, Twitter just beat new records. Twitter's gaining millions of new, of new users every, you know, just within the last month. You know, Twitter as a whole is growing more than, more than it's losing of, of users. So, it's this crazy, crazy idea of where things are going. So, now on to something completely different. So, you guys remember, like, many, many months ago, when, uh, when, uh, well, when, uh, when we talked about on the show that, that freaking the WHO was going to rename monkeypox because it sounded because, you know, their whole racism concerns, even though literally no one that I think I've ever talked to has ever just been like, oh my god, it's called monkeypox? Black people are that. Like, no one thinks that way unless you're in the KKK, you think about race all the time, or you're a fucking moron. I don't think of anybody that was going... 
well, why is it called monkeypox? Is it because of black people? No, most people are like, oh, no, it's called, they just looked into the science of it, like, oh, so it's like a virus that originally came from monkeys and it transferred into humans. Oh, all right, whatever. It's like, didn't think much of it. Because I know that a lot of people are really fucking stupid, but, you know, some people use their heads, and when they use their heads, thing makes sense and thing go, oh, you know, it's... I know that's hard for people at the WHO to believe, but, you know, some people aren't the fucking dumbest things in the world. Believe me, I, I know some really dumb people. But, so they now they're going to start using MPOX. So, it took them, by the way, it, it took them, by the way, like, many, many months, right, many, many months <laughs> to decide... Yeah, we're gonna rename it. Well, what are you what are you gonna rename it to? Mpox. What the why? Mpox. It now just what what is what is it? Is it something new? There's gonna be people now that are gonna be like only oh, hear Mpox and be like, oh my god, it's something new, something new. Oh my god, freak out. Oh my god, there's something new, guys. And then everybody's gonna be like, God, it's just it's just monkeypox. <gasps> you can't say that. That's racism. That's racism because they want to phase out. Uh, monkeypox. I just... Who, who was like... Who was like, yeah, no, the term monkeypox is racist and stigmatizing. Who, who thought that? I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody being like, <laughs> monkeypox and racism in the same post. Maybe I just don't look hard enough, but I don't, I don't remember seeing anything. You know, may, maybe I'm the problem, you know, with all that white privilege I carry. But it, it's just hilarious to me that we took however many months, I don't even remember how many months, but most of the year, basically, probably, to think of, what if we just shorten it to Mpox? Genius. <laughs> like, my goodness. What a waste of freaking money this organization is. Speaking of waste of money... So, Disney released a new animated film. Now, you might not even know that an animated film from Disney even came out, because, like most people, you're like me, and you generally don't even know what movies are coming out anymore, because, honestly, you're pretty sure that movies aren't even coming out anymore, but then you find out, oh no, they do come out, they just don't do well, because no one wants to go see shit-fucking movies. Well, Disney could add another shit-fucking movie to their shitty movie list of woke to handle because their new movie entitled Strange World is a uh, <laughs> ooh <laughs> not 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 doing well how not doing well as it is well uh it, it could be a loss of 147 million dollars <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah. Strange World, Disney's latest $180 million, not counting promotion cost animated feature, is all about spreading environmental propaganda and exposing ch uh, your child to adult sexuality. One of Strange World's uh, lead characters is a gay teenage boy in love with another boy. This plot point has nothing to do with teaching children tolerance for people who might be different everything to do with shattering your child's innocence. 
what's funny is this movie actually didn't release in certain markets around the world. Why not? Uh, because they don't allow uh, gay stuff on the screen. And instead of editing it out, it, uh, it didn't do well. Uh, the early estimates for Strange World's opening weekend, the normal lucrative five-day Thanksgiving holiday, started at right around $40 million. That makes perfect sense in a world where Disney is not praying. Uh, uh, and I mean, here's the thing. It, it, didn't, it didn't end its well. I mean, it, it really didn't. Uh, so, yeah. As uh, the result is that Strange World actually ended up, it ended its op opening five days with a disastrous 18 million. And worldwide, it grossed just 28 million. Um, that's, that's not good. That, uh, that actually is horrible. Like, that is horrific numbers. Keep in mind that a majority of, like, the whole, like, you know, most people go to the movie theaters in terms of, like, the U.S. 18 million domestically for the entire, especially for, like, a movie that you're releasing for, like, kids around fucking, uh, like, Thanksgiving. That's disastrous. 18 million in domestic and just worldwide passing another like 10 million onto your 18 million that's not good that's really really fucking bad but you know i i guess you know not everybody can be a big winner i mean that's why they brought back their old ceo i mean even though the woke will not stop because the the it's just more cowbell it's just bigots that won't go see our movie said no one because no one watched your film, so no one's listening to what you're saying. There's probably more people that are listening to this show than ever went and saw freaking Strange World because no one's seen it. I I mean seriously. Here, let's pull up Metacritic. Okay, not not let, let's pull up Metacritic for for Strange World. Okay, has has anybody seen the movie? I mean, you know it's already not a great you know movie when. The even the critic score for a movie is already at sixty five. I mean, literally, <laughs> literally just reading it. Uh, this might possibly be the worst animated movie I've ever watched. Disney really went downhill. Uh, since Luca, all movies in Disney have lacked imagination. Worst in Lightyear, all woke propaganda all over the case. My kids didn't engage with the movie at all. It was pretty visually. Uh, it was very, it was pretty visually, but very boring. No depth, disappointing for a Disney movie. Let, let, you know, let's actually read some of the reviews that are higher than like a zero. Uh, but I mean, I, I have to read this one. We went into this with high expectations. Unfortunately, this movie is one of the worst we've ever seen. Even my children hated this movie and they liked just about everything. Uh, so... This is a review for, for Odd, Odd World or Strange World, whatever the fuck it's called. I, I don't even remember what it's called half the time, in which this person gave it a 6. Are there people that gave this movie a perfect... Oh my god, there's 23 positive reviews. Keep in mind, uh, for uh, this movie, there's only 101 audience score. Or like like audience like reviews is only 101. That's, that's, that's horrible for a film. Uh, so let's see. 
So this is from TV Jerry over on Metacritic, in which they gave the film a six out of ten. Let's let's read what Jerry had to say. Celebrating 100 years with a new castle animation, Disney has launched this latest animated adventure. It revolves around a family of explorers who must venture on a quest to save their insular civilization that takes them to a new world where the creatures are all fancifully designed. Their exploits serve as a subtle message of environmental responsibility while also harping on the message of fam uh, family, which includes a gay son who is easily accepted. While when they're in a fantasy world, the action and design are fun, but there are periods where the dialogue drags down the energy. Still, it's a beautifully animated, sweet story. What? The, what? What kind of review was that? It's like you gave me like what the movie is meant to be, and then it's like the shitty like game, like game critic scores on like a video game box. Ten out of ten. One of the. Telling me shit about, like, the fucking thing. Uh, we've got a three here. It's not a very good movie. It has nothing to do with the constant reminders of gay characters. It's just a bad movie. Okay, I want to read a positive. What, what, who, who's giving this game... Who, who's giving this game? No, this fucking movie. A positive score. Okay, so we have... One, two, three, four, five. Five freaking tens. A truly wholesome movie. Keep in mind, this is a movie meant for children, where the uh, where it's very much uh, gay. By the way, uh, and, and I wouldn't even say this. I would say the same for straight characters being put in this situation. Uh, we love the setting. Who we who we know, and relatable characters. Okay, honestly, I loved it. What? <laughs> Oh boy, I love I love this one. This is this is maybe more genuine. Uh, it's a good movie overall. It's sad that there are so many trolls in this section. Obviously, just give it a bad reviews for existence of a gay person in a movie. No, that's not what we have an issue with. Uh, the seven out of ten is really getting me here. What 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 do you have to say, sir or madam or whatever the fuck it is? Uh, beautiful scenery, interesting. Uh, oh wait, that's a nine. Uh, enjoyable despite some pacing problems and overall expository dialogue. There could have been more set up in the first act. Holy fuck, what is this, an actual review? As the second dragged on a bit, the action was fun and well animated. Definitely better than Lightyear, which was overly serious. You know, maybe this will be a movie that I'll watch only if it goes to Disney+. Plus, and even then, I'll think about it. I didn't watch Lightyear either, so... So, who knows? Well... Moving right along. So I see this over the weekend and I couldn't help but laugh because I, I need to laugh at something because truly this is hilarious. So you know how on Friday we talked about how this one woman was complaining about how her, uh, how why, how since society wasn't designed around fat people, everyone's fat phobic and are bigots. Well, hilariously enough, so Qatar Airways tells a plus-size model to upgrade to first class because she doesn't fit in the economy seat. So a plus-size model says that she was not allowed to board a flight because she was too fat to fit in the economy seat. 
the woman claimed that she was uh, she she was told to shell out about three thousand dollars to upgrade to first class and would not fund refund her nine hundred and forty seven dollar ticket she had spent on the flight from uh, Beirut, Lebanon to Dohar uh, Dohai, Qatar. Uh, she shared her experience in Instagram videos, each that each have more than sixty thousand likes, with commenters calling out Qatar Airways and asking them to take action. I bought a return ticket to Brazil through Qatar and arriving at the time to check in, a Qatar uh, flight attendant called uh, my mother while another staffer was finishing our check and told her I wasn't welcome to board because I'm fat, according to News.com. Uh, she told her followers that she had missed her connecting flight to Sao uh due to the incident, claiming that she had no issues boarding on Air France flight previously, and that she had been threatened when attempting to take a video. So yeah, stole the upgrade because she's too fat. First off, congrats to at least Qatar Airways for standing up. Uh, I mean, truly, okay. If you're being told to upgrade to first class because your ass is too fat to fit in a fucking economy seat, you know you got some junk in your trunk, okay? You need to lose some fucking weight. If you're being told to shell out $3,000 to upgrade your seat to first class so your ass can get on the plane, you need to lose some of that ass. Okay, there, there's, this, this is what I mean. Society is not meant for you to go around and be the fattest motherfucker around. It's not meant for that. You know what it is meant for? For you to learn that, hey, maybe I shouldn't pig out all the time. Or maybe I should, you know, actually get into maybe a gym or to, you know, just lose some of the fucking weight that I have because... I want to be able to fly to the different places of the world without having to shell out $3,000 plus because that sounds freaking ridiculous. I don't know. And, and I, I, listen, you can call me fatphobic all you want. I will not care. I won't. I won't care because, for one, if I'm fatphobic, then I guess I should be, you know, hating on my, my, my parents who are overweight. I, I should be hating on any person I see who's overweight. Fuck, if I'm fat phobic, then I should technically be hating myself. Because technically, if you go by certain measurements, I'm technically overweight in some capacity. So, if, if I'm fat phobic, then spread it from the rooftops. I do not give a fuck. I will continue to advocate for people to lose fucking weight. You know? And I, I will gladly take my own message with stride and not fucking cry and bitch about it on fucking Instagram. So in uh, today's episode of Dumbest Lawsuits, so a woman is suing over how much time it took her to make Velveeta macaroni and cheese after the package claimed it would only take a matter of minutes. I shit you not, this is a real fucking thing. This is not fake. This is not The Onion. This is not The Babylon Bee. This is real. On uh, behalf of herself and others, Amanda Ramirez is suing Kraft Heinz Food Company for $5 million over its mac and cheese product promises. The food items packaging claims that the macaroni and cheese will be ready in three and a half minutes. But uh, Ramirez alleged that it takes more 
uh, more time to make the product when other steps are taken into consideration. Uh, in a statement, uh, the, sta the statement of ready in three and a half minutes is false and misleading because the product takes longer than three and a half minutes to prepare for consumption. The lawsuit stated it went on to describe the process, making the food and directions. Consumers seeing ready in three and a half minutes will be uh, believe it represents a short amount of time to prepare the product, meaning for um, the moment it is open to the moment it's ready for consumption. Uh, of course, Kraft has responded to a to the Washington Post. Uh, they said they knew about the frivolous lawsuit and will strongly defend against the allegations in the complaint. So yeah, there's a full-on lawsuit now over goddamn shit on a mac and cheese box that uh, it's meant to be taken seriously. I mean, I don't... Of, you know... <laughs> I love this comment on the article. I'm getting a vision in my head of what a woman who can't uh, who can't wait more than three and a half, uh, who can't wait more than three and a half minutes for mac for mac and cheese looks like. So, first off, it's like reading. Okay, have you ever read like the Pop Tarts instructions? It says on the Pop Tarts instructions you can microwave it for three seconds. First off, what is three seconds going to do in the microwave? Who the fuck? Okay, to any of you who've ever put Pop-Tarts in the microwave, and I know that sounds fucking ridiculous to anybody, but I, I have I have done this just because I didn't want to wait for the toaster, because fuck you, that's why. Uh, and so I, I have done this. I have put my Pop-Tarts in the microwave. First off, if you're putting them in for just through the recommended three seconds, you are the dumbest motherfucker I've ever seen. And we're talking about a lady who's suing fucking Kraft over goddamn three and a half minute mac and cheese promises on a fucking box that I'm pretty sure people only look at at the instructions and nothing more because we don't care. As well as the fact that Again, like, it says three seconds, bitch, I put that bitch in for, like, at least 10, 15. At least 10, 15, because three seconds, it, it barely touched it. So, I'm gonna be real honest, this lawsuit, I feel like, is just gonna end, and just nothing's gonna be solved. I mean, unless just for whatever reason, something really, really dumb happens, I really, really doubt that this lawsuit is gonna go really that far. Well, we mentioned it at the top of the show, but the gig economy just got attacked. If you are a person out there that, you know, likes to use third-party payment apps to accept transactions like Venmo or Cash App or PayPal, and it's over $600, well, get ready, because the IRS just uh, basically said, Hey, you need to report that uh, income so that uh, we can tax you on it. That's right. Thanks to the American Rescue Plan that they passed, you now, if you take over $600 in a transaction for whatever gig work you do, well, you best believe you gotta report that shit now. So yeah, the notice was posted on the IRS website titled, Get Ready Now to File Your 2022 Income Tax Return. Oh yes, my favorite. Favorite shit to have to fucking do. Taxes. Fuck off. 
Don't make me think about taxes already, you assholes. Okay, so yeah, great, great job. I mean, who, who would, you know, why, why would you want to attack the, the gig economy? I mean, it's not like you just want everybody to be in unions and instead, because that would be crazy. You wouldn't ever want to do that, right? Oh, no, what, who, who would ever get such a silly, silly idea? Whoever just want more tax money from people just trying to do work. That's, that's, that's crazy. Oh, that's r ridiculous. Well, California is doing more California-like things. So, a new investigation has found that pedophiles in California... I know, it's really crazy how this works in the very blue state. Pedophiles are receiving short prison sentences, even when... Uh, you know, they commit the horrifying crime uh, of raping a child. Thousands of child molesters and uh, are being let out of prison just months after being put in, uh, according to some new data. Uh, the report shows that more than 7,000 sex offenders were convicted of lewd or uh, lavish acts with a child under 14 uh, years of age, yet they only only received... A year or less of prison time. What the fuck is up with that? The only thing that should be is castration and death. Or work to death. Uh, uh, others who committed some of the worst child sex crimes, uh, including 365 convicted of continuous sexual abuse of a child who spent less than 12 months in prison. 39 of sodomy with uh, children under 16, 3 cases of kidnapping under, four, under 14 with uh, intent uh, to commit lewd or malicious uh, acts, according to the data. Uh, so yes, great, hooray, huzzah. Finally, you know, we can have more pedophiles out on the street and totally, we're totally not trying to normalize it, guys. We're, we're totally, to no, no, we're not doing that. We're not trying to normalize pedophilia. That would never happen, okay? And if you think that's going to happen, that's crazy. You're crazy, okay? Except when the Washington Post puts out a uh, review for a play that casts pedophiles in a sim uh, sympathetic light, suggesting their punishments are often too, too harsh. In a column titled, Downstate is a play about pedophiles. It's also brilliant. Uh, theater critic Peter Marks praised the play for being uh, tough stuff, questioning how society treats those convicted of literally diddling kids. Uh, he loaded the dice to some degree in Downstate as the predators who've completed their prison terms are depicted not as monsters, but rather as complicated, troubled souls. Yeah, troubled souls who shouldn't have a head on their shoulders. They pl the play also makes a victim of one of the main characters, a now-grown man who was molested by his instructor during a piano practice, out to be the bad guy in the story. Why is it... Oh, yes, it's so great. Some theatergoers no doubt resent that Norris chose to eliminate this delicate subject in a nuanced way. That doesn't jibe with their own undiluted revulsion. You suspect you are one of those people? Downstate is not for you. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be for anybody. Yet... If you have an open mind to the topic, 
on pedophilia, I think that book's been long closed. Or whatever, then maybe this is your cup of tea. Yes, if you two are maybe thinking that pedophiles are, you know, maybe a little too, you know, herded in our society, well, you two can go see a play in which pedophiles are glorified. Because hurrah and hooray. Uh, for many others, it will be a stunning demonstration of the power of narrative art to tackle taboo to compel us to look at a controversial topic from novel perspectives. I'm sorry, what? I, I, I would just like to, to, to let everybody know that this is actually an official tweet from them. I, I quote, The Washington Post, with the full-on official badge, Review, Downstate, is a play about pe pedophiles. It's also brilliant. What the fuck is up with this world? Uh, um, remember, guys, we're not trying to, uh, to, 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 you know, be, be pedophiles because no, no, that would, that would not happen. We're not trying to make pedophiles, uh, great. No, no, wouldn't do that at all. That's ridiculous. What? Who would ever say such a silly thing? The Washington Post trying to glorify pedophiles? What? Bro, all this reminds me of is that real creepy fucking review of, of fucking Cuties. You guys remember Cuties? You know that fucking weird Sundance film? I actually watched it. Really fucking boring film. Really fucking boring film. And more makes you disgusted than anything. Where the guy in the review goes, And you're just so captivated by the young girls just gyrating and twerking that you just you, they're just so hot and like it is the most creepy if you know what i'm talking about you'll know it's it's downright creepy the, this fucking review of goddamn a play about pedophiles gives me the same vibe some creepy dude sitting in a corner being like what I, I I think the messaging was pretty cool, you know. I, I don't know what's up with everybody. I think it's great. So, yeah. Well, China's in a bit of a... How would you say it? A bit of an uproar, currently. As, uh, of course, lockdown protests are springing up everywhere. As well as, you know, people wanting freedoms down with uh, Winnie the Pooh and, of course, the communist uh, government. And so, yeah, and of course, it all really, I guess, kicked off as COVID things, where people are really being locked in their homes. And it's, uh, it's not going great. Uh, of course, we had the people over at, like, the major Apple factory literally doing the fence to escape and protesting now. And now they're just straight up walking because they can't really get many places, and so now they're and so, yeah, basically all over the country where people are trying to lock them down, uh, they're out in the streets protesting, which uh, we could have another team and swear thing on our hands. But, of course, you know, even though uh, most people understand that communism is really fucking bad and not good, uh, well, we have Klaus, you know, Schwab, you know, being being such a, such a great person, saying that, uh, you know... China is the role model for many countries creating the new world of tomorrow. Uh, in which we have this uh, this clip 
of uh, that. On the G20, you were there meeting some of the leaders as well. Professor Schwab, what do you make of the result? Finally, they put something as a statement, and it seems quite positive with all the voices included. I think it's positive. It's uh, already positive through the fact that everybody agreed about the statement, which we haven't had the last years. Now, the base has been formed, but um, we have to go one step further. We have to have a strategic mood. We have to construct the world of tomorrow. It's a systemic transformation of the world. So we have to define how the world should look like, which we want to come out of this transformation period. I uh, respect uh, China's achievements, which are tremendous over the last uh, over 40 years. I think it's um, a role model for many countries, but I think also uh, we should leave it to each country uh, to make its own decision what system it wants to adapt. And I think we should be very careful in imposing systems. But the Chinese model is certainly a very attractive model for quite a number of countries. So, uh, yeah, no, no, no. And if you, you know, I, I said we bring up Apple again. And yeah, so it seems that Apple is restricting the, uh, you know, the, the ability to airdrop stuff where, you know, it's a way to share, you know, files in between, you know, different iPhones by just being able to airdrop, you know, different files and messages and, you know, all sorts of great stuff. Yeah, that feature has been disabled uh, because, you know, of the protest and of course you know we can't have them bypassing you know censorship and uh, spreading information that way no no of course not so yeah nope uh so if you uh wanted to do that nope you you can't do that because uh member member they're totally not using slave labor to make the many different products that uh that that we all use so yeah so of course you know great you know so hopefully you know the chinese protesters will do fine but of course you know we'll we'll never never truly know the full story well moving right along so a uh, new study coming out of uh, of a UK-based startup has found that uh, for kids that are 7 to 12, more than 70% of them are now afraid of climate change. According to the report, the survey which polled 1,000 children uh, born between 2010 and 2015 on their views regarding the environment found that a total of 71% we're now worried about environmental changes. Uh, of course, 27% of respondents in particular said that the impact changing global temperatures we're having on animals is their greatest concern, while just one in five were most concerned about plastic pollution. So, yeah, of course, but that's not the only part of kids I, I wanted to quickly kind of 
touch on, as well as uh, new bits of evidence are now showing that the uh, that a lot of people, you know, that are you know undergoing sex changes show that it's mostly a uh, social influence. That, that's right. Uh, a mem the number of young people identifying as transgender has soared in recent years as females come to take up the mass majority of patients seeking gender transitions, reversing a long-standing trend. Some view of rapid demographic shift as evidence that peer influence is driving young people, females in particular, to transition. So, yeah. Who would have seen that coming? What? You're telling me that the new fa the new emo is fucking transgender and it's a phase that is an even more dangerous one? My goodness. Who would have thought? My god, dude. What what a bunch of fucked. It, it, it's just great. Fantastic. I, I mean, cool. I'm glad that we could have really fantastic uh, adults really in charge of everything so yeah uh real real smart uh anyway speaking of really fucking dumb adults now you might have heard of uh, Alyssa Milano or maybe you haven't like most of us who haven't heard about her in many years and hoped that we would stay that way uh but apparently so I you probably have seen this if you use Twitter but this, this tweet was great. Uh, of course, nothing bad happened to it, and what am I calling her dumb for? I mean, she's clearly very wise and knows so much. I gave back my Tesla. I bought the VW EV, which stands for Volkswagen, by the way. I love it. I'm not sure how advertisers can buy space on Twitter, publicly traded companies' products being pushed in alignment with hate and white supremacy. This doesn't seem to be a winning business model. Now... Now, uh, here, here's the thing. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Volkswagen is a German company. I know. Now, Germany has never done anything wrong that I could ever think of in the last 100 years. Because Germany has always been a great country that's never done anything wrong. Now, there's some weird people pointing out some, uh, some things on this, uh, in, even in this article and underneath this Twitter post that uh, I would like to read to you because maybe I'm missing something. Um, Volkswagen, who were they uh, founded by? Question mark. That's from the Libertarian Party of Tennessee. Uh, someone clearly doesn't know the story of Volkswagen. Poor thing. Uh, now, this is the very first, uh, you know, very literal thing. Volkswagen was literally founded by the Nazis and Hitler. That's crazy. What? Nothing says I'm concerned about white supremacy like buying a car from a company founded by the Nazi government. Uh, buying a VW in righteous defiance of white supremacy. I can't tell who's doing uh, do, who's doing dark parody at this point. So you already bought the Tesla, which made Elon money, and then gave it back, which cost Elon nothing. Yeah, you sure showed him. I hope he learned his lesson on this one. Uh, History.com. That's right, history, history.com, where you can, by the way, history.com, not a right-wing place, by the way, history.com, in which I quote from history.fucking.com, on May 28th, 1937, now that's before World War II, by the way, the government of Germany, then under the control of Adolf Hitler and the National Socialist Party, uh, forms a new state-owned automobile company, uh, they uh, no, 
then known as Geschla zur Verbotin des Dischboik Distauschen Volkswagen MBH. Later that year, it was renamed simply to Volkswagen Work or the People's Car Company. Uh, it was originally open or originally operated by the German Labor Front, a Nazi organization. Uh, Volkswagen was headquarters in Wolfsburg, Germany. In addition to its ambitious campaign to build a network of autobahns and limited access highways across Germany, Hitler's pet project was the development of mass production of affordable yet still speedy vehicles that could sell for less than 1,000 Reichmarks or about $140 at the time. Uh, provide the design for the people's car Hitler called the Austrian and German automotive engineer uh, Ferdinand Porsche in 1938 at a Nazi rally. The Fuhrer declared it is for the broad masses that this car has been built. Its purpose is to answer their transportation needs and is intended to give them joy. So, yes. Hmm. 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 Uh, oh, oh, shit. Uh, the U.S. Holocaust Museum, of course, has their own stuff with uh, Volkswagen. Really setting in that whole, uh, you know, uh, very much. Oh, oh, did I did I also forget to mention, uh, this one comes from The Nation, by the way. According to historical records, as soon as, as early as June 1940, Volkswagen had already begun using uh, forced labor... So, uh, uh, um, uh, not, not great to, to hear there. So forced labor founded by the Nazis, literally the, you know, the people's car, you know, for Germany because they're socialist and not right wing in any stretch of the imagination. Um, uh, you know, because who, who needed, who, who yeah, uh. But that 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 Elon Musk guy, what a white supremacist he is for allowing people to say the things that they want to say on the internet. That's that's ridiculous. Y yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, well, to end today. Uh, so this is an article from the New York Post entitled, I work at a celeb sex club. This is what happens behind closed doors. So there is a such thing as a luxury sex clubs called SNCTM. Uh, dished about what really goes on behind the members only doors. Entry can cost up to 50000 per year just to experience the many pleasures of the club. But, of course, uh, you also have a wide variety of different guests who all come to let out their sexual fantasies. Of course, it's a very exclusive, intimate society, and it's on application basis. Participants eager to get their freak on are, uh, are assessed based on reputation and if they fit the quote-unquote atmosphere. The main event each night, of course, is the erotic dancers, which are designed by the creative director, you know, because you need a creative director for a club like this, of course. 
uh, of course, getting to the actual perform one of the performers themselves. When I first attended uh, SNCTM as a guest, I felt like I had walked into a movie set. The performer told uh, Jam Press on our introduction into the club in 2019, the energy of the room was electric. I saw some of the most beautiful people in one room. Since joining the club and ditching her job in tech and finance, she found herself in some unexpected situations, such as being chained and dressed as a kitten at a VIP table or acting as a virgin sacrifice when role-playing. Ah, uh, yes. What are the rich and famous doing? Well, they're at a sex club instead. Always the great stuff they're doing. I felt a draw to this world since it was so much more of a safe space to be. That's right, it's a safe space. A sex club. Uh, to be myself and have expression of my body and thoughts without judgment. Despite seeming out of the ordinary, uh, Jessica insists role-playing and leaning into the kinks allows a more personal connection with the guests, but ensures she still holds autonomy over how far her character will go. Oh, yes. I, I, I've just got to say, th this is just, just crazy. It seems that there are a lot of people that end up going to this sort of club as a guest. And, I mean, I mean, seriously. Ugh, really, ooh. So, yeah. It, it, what What's really going on here? Who knows? But honestly, it's a kind of kind of fucking funny that this is this is what happens behind closed doors really good uses of uh, money i guess to say the least so yeah what a what a great great time that is well of course that is the end of today's show if you did enjoy and you haven't already hit that subscribe button of course go down below check out all of the articles down below as well as uh, follow me over on twitter and true social and of course tune in tomorrow with of course another episode of the program anyway this has been the political program and i'll see you tomorrow